drug dealing, taking drugs, drinking alcohol, and buying drinks for all the ladies. I thought it was so much fun, but I was destroying my life. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There was no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist On Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about the drug problem in New York City, where cocaine traffickers are moving tons of kilograms of cocaine throughout New York. And it's a very big business with so much money in it. There are Colombian, Dominican, and Mexican drug trafficking organizations, or DTOs, operating in New York. And much of the drugs coming through New York are imported from these organizations. But can someone from one of these DTOs have a changed life in Jesus Christ? Well, today we will have Herman Mendoza, who was part of one of these organizations early on in his life, and then got out of it and later on became an assistant pastor. We're going to hear his wild story as he tells all what he went through as a young teenager. Herman, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. Herman, it's great having you with us. I'm excited to hear your story of complete transformation. Tell me, I understand your family was originally from the Dominican Republic, but you grew up in a good family. Tell me a little bit about your family. Yeah, we're five brothers in total, and my oldest brother is eight years apart from me. So we grew up in a tight family upbringing. Yeah. It was difficult at times, you know, raised in New York City, such a diverse city. Yeah. It was really interesting being in the neighborhood I was living in and having siblings that were all boys, no girls. So you could only imagine all boys in the house, lots of turmoil. (laughs) So you had to be tough. You grew up learning that you needed to be pretty tough. Yes. Wow. Off the bat, I had to learn how to be tough. You know, being the youngest within the family, within my other siblings, I sort of got away with a lot of things though. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I understand as you got older, though, you were initiated into a gang and you went through a difficult process of initiation. What happened? Yes. So I was around 12 years old. And so I wanted to find my identity and hang out with these kids from the neighborhood. Hmm. So they invited me to a park where they hang out at. And so they said, look, you want to join us? And I said, yeah, I want to be cool like you. They had these you know, nice design on their jackets. And I thought that this is family. Yeah, This is the folks, these are kids from the neighborhood. They're tough. I want to be like them. Mm. And so they said, in order for you to get involved in our gang initiation, you have to go through this, they call it Apache line. And so I had to go through this line and they would punch me in my face and Ooh. kick me uh, across my stomach. And so once I passed this Apache line, as they called it, I was initiated in the gang. Oh my gosh. So you can't block. You just got to go through and just get hit. I just got to go through. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What love, right? So when you were 13, something happened from another gang member that left emotional trauma for a lot of your life. What was that? Yeah. I was hanging out with these gang members. I was initiated into the gang. And so one day we're hanging out, smoking marijuana, and these guys from another rival came and suddenly pulled out a gun and shot the leader of the gang. What? Right in front of me. I almost got shot. 
Oh, my gosh. And so they left the scene. I approached the leader of the gang just to see how he was doing. And unfortunately, he passed. And this was a friend of yours, though, wasn't it? It was a friend of mine. And plus, he was the leader of the gang. And so Jeez. at that moment, it shook me for a second. But then I was just numb to the reality that I'm involved in this gang activity. And I just continue. I understand you had to mask your pain with something that you always told yourself you would never take. What was that? Yeah, you know, I used to always say, look, I'm not going to take drugs, you know, hardcore drugs like cocaine or heroin. Mm -hmm. And so I was somewhat against it, just marijuana until eventually I just wanted to mask that pain. And so I was introduced to hardcore drugs such as cocaine and heroin. What was your first experience with cocaine and heroin like? It was like a euphoria. At the moment, it felt good. Mm. But when the high just came down, I just felt depressed and down and miserable. Dang. And, you know, craving for more, as a matter of fact, because I wanted to have that upbeat feeling. I wanted to feel good, you know? Yeah. So I just wanted more and more. Man. So you got hooked on it, basically. Yes, I did. Like you needed more and more. And you started living for these drugs, for these moments of relief. And it seemed like it really changed the purpose of your life. Is that right? I did. As a matter of fact, I wanted to sustain the habit. And I started to sell small quantities of drugs just to be able to use the drugs that I was selling, you know? And so I was involved with some local kids and they say, look, you can make some money. And so that money that I was making selling small quantities of drugs was just to sustain the habit. Wow. So this is how you grew up, but I understand this brought you to a point where your family found out and you were sent back to the Dominican Republic by your mom as a last-ditch chance to try to change you for the better. Tell us about that experience. So, you know, my parents, they were frustrated, obviously, with my behavior, and I had gotten arrested for a robbery. Oh, man. Stealing a radio. Did a little time, a couple of months in jail. And so when I was released, my mom and dad concocted a plan to send me to the Dominican Republic thinking that would change my behavior. And off I went to the Dominican Republic to live with my grandparents. Wow. And your grandparents were good people. They were people who worked the land. They were farmers. They were going to straighten you out. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, once I arrived, my grandparents said, look, we don't want for you to behave bad. Obviously, we want you to have a better life here. And so they enlisted me in a private school. I rebelled against the teachers and I was expelled. Wow. So my grandfather said, okay, you want to be a tough kid here in the Dominican Republic? I'm going to send you out to some land that he had owned and he was working out of. He said, look, you're going to work the field. Wow. And he gave me a machete and I started to work hard labor. Wow. And I told him, I'm not cut for this job. This is not what I signed up for. And I rebelled against him. I started to use alcohol. It was readily available in the Dominican Republic, unfortunately. It just let me down a road of destruction with my grandparents. Yeah, so here you are. Your parents are hoping you're going to get better, but no matter where you go, you found trouble, and trouble found you. Exactly. I understand that your grandpa started really losing hope in you. What happened? Yeah, he did. He contacted my parents, and he told my mom, he said, look, I can't handle this young man, this young boy. You know, he's just a nuisance. Wow. He's causing havoc. You know, he's causing turmoil here, and I have to send them back. Hmm. I was living in the Dominican Republic at that time for about a year and a half, close to two years. And, you know, they decided to send me back and that's what they did. Were you excited that day? You're like, yeah, I'm going back. Like, I kind of won. Did you deep inside have that plan? Like, I'm just going to mess this all up? I was. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was excited. 
I wanted to come back to New York City, obviously. I wanted to be with my friends. Uh, I wanted to have this lifestyle again, to be sort of independent and to do what I wanted to do and, you know, use drugs. Hmm. So I wanted that. But at the same token, I felt that my grandparents, they were great grandparents. They loved me. And I had met my wife there. Eventually, we just became friends there, and eventually we got married. Oh. But I met her in the Dominican Republic. I had a lot of attachment to my cousins and my other family members. Okay. It was good there, but then here you are, you're leaving, you're excited because you're wanting to get back to your independence, your drugs and all that stuff. Because you weren't taking drugs during this time when you're in the Dominican Republic, correct? I was not. So you kind of went cold turkey. Were you craving it during that time? I was. It wasn't a drug that was available, you know, marijuana or cocaine. Wow, interesting. There were stricter laws back in those days. And so it was hard to come across those kinds of narcotics. And so the choice that I selected was alcohol. I see. Okay, so it was just, you know, whatever it is that you could get your hands on. Well, let's stop here. I want to hear how you eventually got sucked into drug trafficking organizations. I want to hear how they got you involved. Thanks so much, Herman, for sharing your testimony with us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, guys, let's dissect what you just heard right after the break. If you have a testimony you would like to share, you can audition to be on our show. Just go to www.therealliferadioshow.com. Click on Tell Us Your Story and follow the directions. You can fill out the guest release form and we will get back with you as soon as possible. If you need prayer or someone to talk to, you can always text us at 877-325-8030. Again, that's 877-325-8030. We look forward to seeing your text. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about us or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at www.therealliferadioshow.com. That's www.therealliferadioshow.com. Please help us to expand the reach of these shows. We couldn't do it without you. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? Honestly, it's very interesting to hear about how someone can literally become sucked into a drug trafficking organization. You know, Herman reveals so much what we already see online, that there are powerful organizations that move loads of drugs into the United States to make a lot of money by getting people hooked on drugs. It's so bad. And now we're talking to someone who was formerly doing that. Looking back at what Herman told us about his childhood, that he already had a troubled childhood that really stuck out to me. Getting involved in gangs at first, becoming, you know, a full-blown drug trafficker, but before he started off in gangs. He didn't come from a family of drug dealers. He came from a small farming family back in the Dominican Republic. But in his beginning, he was a young man getting involved with gangs and drugs. It's like a small little open door. When his family found out, they tried everything to get him to stop. But he couldn't. They took away everything. And he still found a way to do evil. He found a way to access the problems in the Dominican Republic with his grandpa. This demonstrates that when someone is bent on doing wrong things, it's very difficult to stop them. It's written in Proverbs chapter 1, 10 through 19. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. 
We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil, for they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who's greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. Now this talks about the fact that when Herman walked into that gang life, it was the beginning of disaster. It was a process of allowing evil to take over his life, living a life greedy for gain, not knowing it could cost his very life. He lost his friend and that revenge drove him for years right into with those who's laying snares for others. And then those snares even became a snare for himself. Father God, I'm praying for the person who's saying, gosh, you know what? I've given myself over to that temptation. I've always thought, you know what? The world is evil. Just become evil so that you can survive. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for the person that maybe is saying, gosh, that's me. Lord, help us to repent right now in Jesus' name. Let us turn away from those things and let us believe in good and believe mostly in you and receive you as Savior. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony and I know that your life was touched. You can shop online at www.therealliferadioshow.com and click on our merch page. Shop clothes, mugs, backpacks, and more. See you next time.